Hi, this is Bill Farmer, the voice of Goofy, and you are listening to Stories of the Magic. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to episode 109 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. If you're new to Stories of the Magic, we are a positive and story-filled Disney podcast, offering stories from cast members, Imagineers, artists, actors, and more, including guests, promoting a mutual love of Disney, celebrating and preserving the Disney magic and legacy, and inspiring people to live their dreams just as Walt Disney did. If that appeals to you or piques your curiosity, you're definitely in the right place, and I am glad you're here. Welcome. In this episode, we conclude my return visit with the previous guest, the voice of Goofy for 29 years, Bill Farmer. In part one, we talked about Bill's first recording sessions as Goofy, some special memories, singing as the character, and more. In this episode, Bill talks about the Goofy movie panel being up against a Star Wars panel at the D23 Expo in 2015, the original plan for a Goofy movie, and what changed, doing scenes with other actors, yet having never met them working with Don Hahn and something special Don did for the D23 Expo panel, working with some fun celebrities, including Ed McMahon, who he still gets starstruck by, who he'd like to work with but hasn't yet, doing Bullwinkle J. Moose to June Foray's Rocky the Flying Squirrel, working on the 7D, how the context for voices affects what you can do, and playing with voices. He does a really interesting... A variation, I guess you could say, on Arnold Schwarzenegger in this part. What he'd like to see Goofy do that he hasn't yet. A Star Wars Fab Five crossover, anyone? Appearing at OzCon. Two listener questions. One telling a joke is Goofy, and one about talking to very sick kids. Recording voices for toys, including one incredibly intense taxing job. His advice to you if you've tried following your dreams and you feel like you failed. And of course, shameless plug time. Now, a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, and then it's time to turn the page and continue this story. Hello, Neverlanders. I'm Jeremy, host of the Neverland Podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. As a young boy in Marceline, Missouri, Walt Disney played Peter Pan in a school play, and Peter Pan remained one of his favorite stories throughout his life. He used to say that an adult was just a grown-up child, and he designed Disneyland to help that adult act like a child again. Well, that's what we do here in Neverland. This is where you never have to grow up. And so we'll talk about heroes like Spider-Man, He-Man, and others that taught us how to do what's right because right makes might. And we'll enjoy the simple pleasures of imagination, our greatest toy. We're like Saturday mornings all in one podcast. Every week on the Neverland Podcast, we'll sprinkle our pixie dust and fly to Disney and beyond. And now, this week's interview on Stories of the Magic. You know, that that's, uh, kind of gives you a little sense of the, the power that these characters have, that they're the only characters or animated characters. Gosh, well, Mickey was the first talking one, and he's still around doing stuff. 
There's no other characters in the world like that that have been around 80 some years and they're on TV every day. It's just it blows my mind. Yeah, you definitely can't get away with that with live action. No, no. I don't <laughs> look like I did in 1986, but I sound pretty much the same. Right. Yeah. They try to get around it with Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. And then like you 12 can only of them or something. Right, yeah. They're on number 12 right now, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed you know that. <laughs> oh, I, I'm a, I'm a sci-fi fan. I, I love sci-fi. So I'm sure you've been to see The Force Awakens at least once by yes, now? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. And, uh, yeah, I was also, I was going to mention, you know, with a Goofy Movie panel, they had a Star Wars panel, and that had George Lucas, and it had, uh, I think, Harrison Ford, and on the audience enjoyment, you know, they filled out a, we were the only one to get 100%. We beat out the Star Wars panel. And I'm Wow, well, that's fantastic. We got a 100%. I don't know if any of them ever have before that. So I was very proud of the turnout. And that the people, uh, you know, how much they love that film. That uh, is very gratifying that people enjoy it. Definitely. Yeah, I tried to get to that panel, and I was one of the ones that couldn't get in. Yeah, it was like it surprised the heck out of us. It was like we look out there, and geez, it's full. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a great one, though. It was. It was pretty memorable. Wow. Um, do you have any other favorite memories? Anything that stands out from when you were making a goofy movie? Oh gosh. Um, well, you know, they uh, just, they were, um, it started off as a goof troop movie in the same ways that the DuckTales movie was basically a glorified version of the television show. That's the way that a goofy movie started, but it kind of took on its own life and became more than that. It became a buddy-buddy picture, and we had actually done a run-through with the entire cast of Goof Troop, and it just didn't gel in a feature film uh, venue. So they retooled it, and uh, Jim Megan wrote a wonderful script for it where it's a buddy-buddy picture, and they go to Lake Destiny and all of that. And we went in the studio, and we would record, and then we would re-record, and then they would throw this scene out, and then we'd put another scene in. And most movies like that would take maybe three three days of principal recording and then a few days of pickups down the road when they want to change something. But ours took about, I was in the studio for about 30 to 40 different days recording on that over a two and a half year period. And so they took their time. They took the money necessary to come up with a really great long lasting film. And I'm so thankful they did. Yeah. So am I, I was actually just reading about it today and how it was, I think, supposed to come out originally two years before it did, but uh -huh. they put all of that work in. Absolutely, absolutely. And then we had an extremely goofy movie, which was uh, another fun one, but that was more of the, that went to, uh, that, that did not, not come out in the theaters, and unfortunately, to my way of thinking, it didn't have any songs, because I really did have a lot of fun doing the songs, but uh, Goofy got to have a girlfriend, and that's what I was talking about, ensemble recording. Uh, Goofy had a girlfriend, Sylvia, in that movie, who was played by B.B. Newworth, who was actually at the time on Broadway doing a play and couldn't be in Los Angeles for the recordings. So uh, as of this today, I have never spoken to her on the phone. I've never met her, but we did all these scenes in this movie together. Uh, and that's kind of the way it happens sometimes. <laughs> so it's all that movie magic. You never get to meet uh, other people sometimes. 
Right. I imagine you get to meet the directors and possibly oh, yeah. the producers more than you do the other actors. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned working with Don Hahn and what a great guy he is. Uh, do you have any particular memories uh, of working with him or just kind of the general? He is so funny. And um, he has, and I can't remember the name, he has a book out. He's got a couple of books, I think, but one's on creativity. And yeah, I think it's called Brainstorm. That's right, Brainstorm. Excellent I, yeah. book. And we were on the Disney cruise together a, a few years ago. And we had dinner, and he's just the most gregarious, funny, sharp guy. And that book is anyone that wants to unleash their creative spirit. I highly recommend reading because it's just full of great anecdotes. It's very funny, and uh, it's just got a lot of great information. He's a great writer, and just no wonder the guy's so successful. He's just really got it all together. He put together on a Goofy Movie panel uh, the video of uh, he was going to flesh out the eye-to-eye song for Tevin Campbell to sing. Well, there wasn't enough from the movie because other you know, subplots were going on, so you weren't always focused on Tevin Campbell. So Don took about every Disney music musical that has some dancing in it, and he spliced together, and he was up till like three or four in the morning, <laughs> uh, uh, this wonderful little montage of Disney dancing uh, with characters dancing in everything from the Seven Dwarfs to Aristocats to, you know, Little Mermaid to everything. Uh, and it just was just flawless, and he can just pull that stuff out of his hat. I don't know how he does it, but uh, <laughs> he's an incredibly talented and fun guy to be around. Nice. That's somebody that I would really love to interview for this show sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he'd be fun. Now, occasionally we'll work with celebrities, not a long time, but we had a, one show in particular we would do every year. It was called uh, Merry Christmas from Walt Disney World a three-hour radio show. They'd have songs, uh, and now coming up, Garth Brooks, and all of these kind of things. But we would have a little interstitial, uh, usually based at the, uh, you know, it could be at uh, Disneyland or at Disney World, and they would have a celebrity host, and we would record it like a radio play. And over the years, we've had some really interesting guest hosts. We would have... Uh, Let's see, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, we had Jason Alexander, we had Real Regis Philbin, we had Jim Belushi, we had uh, Leslie Nielsen, we had uh, one show we did with Michael J. Fox, uh, Dick Van Dyke. Uh, we had a lot of these great entertainers in for four hours, and we were hearing stories from them, and those were always one of my favorites, because we did get to hang around with some fun celebrities, and they were all different. Ed McMahon we had in once. Uh, and they, as a matter of fact, Wayne Allwine knew that I did a Johnny Carson impression and went up to Ed and say, hey, you know, Bill does a great Johnny Carson. And, oh, really? I want to hear that. And so I would, I would pull out my Johnny Carson impression and say, hello, Ed, it's great to see you. And he said, hey, that's great. Let's put that in the show. And, you know, they're not going to say no to Ed McMahon. So there's one part of the show where Mickey's saying, gosh, Ed, how do you like Walt Disney World? You know, and then, and Mickey says something, and then I walk up as Johnny Carson saying, I, uh, I did not know that. And Ed McMahon said, who the heck was that guy? And it made it in the show, which was really, because uh, I was a Carson fan, and, and that was a, a very, very fun little thing to get to do with Ed McMahon. 
Yeah, that sounds like fun. <laughs> is, do you get still get starstruck by anybody? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A, a lot of times. Uh, Dick Van Dyke especially was, was – I was starstruck by him. Uh, the ones that I grew up with. Um, gosh, you know, over the years I got to do meet – and it was like, you know – Meeting the Beatles, it was Captain Kangaroo. We got, uh, we've had a lot of weird things happen over the years. I actually got asked for an autograph by John Denver once for his daughter to sign a, a plush toy. Uh, and I'm thinking, yeah, I was sitting there signing that. I'm signing a goofy thing for John Denver. Wow. That was cool. That was cool. But um, I think the most, yeah, the most awe-inspiring person I got to meet in my was uh, in Florida. They had one year they were doing an induction into the Television Hall of Fame dinner, and I was able to go to it. And beforehand, they were going to induct people, uh, you know, all sorts of different people in television into this Hall of Fame. And we were at the party beforehand, and within five minutes, I got to meet and talk with Walter Cronkite and Muhammad Ali. And Muhammad Ali was so great. He still, you know, he had the Parkinson's, but he still talked pretty good. And, uh, you know, he, I told him what I did. And he said, do you like uh, talk to the kids in the hospitals and things like that? And I said, yeah, I do. Then he said, oh, man, then you're my hero. And then I just about, you know, dropped dead on the floor right there. That was so cool. And he was so nice. <laughs> and then we got set at, uh, set at a, a table and one of my dinner mates around the table was uh, <clears throat> Roger Ebert. And so I, I love old science fiction and cartoons and uh, old movies and stuff. And we were talking all night long. And he, of course, he was so knowledgeable and I learned so much. It was just one of those very rare magical evenings that only comes around once in your life. Wow. What a wonderful sounding evening. It really was. Is there anybody that you'd like to work with that you haven't yet? Oh, my gosh. Uh, all the time. All the time. Um, you know, I would have uh, – I got to meet him, but I never got to work with Mel Blanc. Um, very early on in the Roger Rabbit days, you know, he was kind of ill. And I think that's the last movie that he did with Bugs and Daffy. And, and I didn't get to do a scene with him in that. But that would have been a lot of fun. I did get to uh, do a scene. This was another uh, good one at uh, Comic-Con a few years ago. They were honoring June Foray, who, of course, did Rocky the Flying Squirrel. And they were going to have her read a script, and they needed someone to do a Bullwinkle. And so I volunteered. And so I did my Bullwinkle to uh, June Foray's Rocky. That was a very special evening as well. Those kind of things are very rare, but they're very, uh, very special to me. Yeah. And, you know, it occurs to me that if you hadn't put in all of the work that you do and worked on these characters and these voices, that when opportunities like that arise, you wouldn't have been prepared for them and you wouldn't have been able to experience those things. Yeah. You never know. You never know what's going to pop up and when something's going to be used. Uh, there's been many instances where, you know, a particular voice or an impression that I do comes in handy. Uh, I'm on a television series called The 7D, where I'm doing uh, on Disney XD uh, The Seven Dwarves, and I'm Doc in that. And uh, they needed a shopkeeper, just an incidental voice. And I said, Bill, what you got? I was thinking, who, because he's trying to sell 
he was trying to sell a lizard as a dragon. So he taped on like wings on a lizard. <laughs> and so he's kind of a, you know, trying a con man. So I was thinking Pat Buttram. Uh, if you remember, uh, you know, Pat Buttram, who used to sound like this on Green Acres. And uh, so I just used that impression. And I think one of my line was, and they say, you know, here you go with a genuine flying dragon. And, uh, you know, they say, that's just a lizard with wings taped on. Well, he's got heartburn, you know. So I had a funny line with that. But that's a great show and probably one of the best casts of any television show that I've ever, ever been with. Uh, if you follow uh, voice actors, I mean, you know, get this for a, um, a, a lineup. We got, of course, Billy West, Kevin Michael Richardson, Jess Harnell, uh, Maurice LaMarche, Steve Stanton, Scotty Menville, uh, Kelly Osborne, and uh, I know I'm forgetting someone, D. Bradley Baker, I mean, Lee Allen Baker, we have Paul Rugg. It's a powerhouse of a cast and a lot of fun to do, and we're in our second season of that show. Wow, that it really it really is an amazing cast, and it's a really fun show. It really yeah, is. Yeah, second season just started on, like, Disney XD, and I I think I actually taped a couple of them today that I haven't even watched yet. Oh, well, good. And, you know, doing that Pat Buttram impersonation or impression, if you will, to for that shopkeeper. Yeah. Uh, are there any characters you've done, and that might be one example, where it's essentially the same voice, but the context makes them different? Oh, yeah. Um, well, the context of uh, that, I've done, you know, the Haney voice several times on other shows. I did one, oh gosh, a series a long time ago, one of my first series uh, called The Cowboys of Moo Mesa. And there was like a little, uh, you know, he was like a beaver or something. And, and I used that voice on that. And it was the same voice, kind of the same character, but a different context. So sometimes you can recycle voices. You never know what you're going to have. You know, uh, sometimes they will ask for, you know, uh, a uh, an Arnold Schwarzenegger like you know you don't necessarily have to do a great impression of it but then of course you get into that you start doing Arnold and you you know you just start and you might uh, change the voice a little maybe make him a little bit higher and then it's like an Arnold like character but it's not too close. <laughs> so you can play with voices and change them around. Wow. I was like, I wish I could do that, but I don't wish I could do it enough <laughs> to put the work in, quite honestly. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It was a misspent youth. <laughs> well, I guess if you're going to misspend your youth, that's as good a way yeah. as any to do yeah. it. <laughs> um, is there anything you'd like to see Goofy do that he hasn't done yet? You know, um, it's actually all of the Disney characters. I would love them to put every uh, all of those characters, the Fab Five, Mickey... Minnie, Donald, Goofy, uh, Pluto, you know, Daisy too, and just the whole gang into a full-length feature film and just do it up right. I mean, you know, just with all the technology they have, I don't know if it'd be 3D or 2D or whatever, but just come up with a really great full-length feature film starring Mickey and the gang. Uh, they've never done that, and to date, Goofy is the only of the Fab Five that has starred in a full-length feature film by himself, you know. We did The Three Musketeers together. That was another feature film. But uh, other than that, we really haven't had a chance to uh, show what we can do. And I think 
these characters, I think kids would just love it if they, especially if they got, you know, maybe get J.J. Abrams or something to, you know, now that uh, Disney owns like, you know, Star Wars and Marvel and stuff. And maybe, uh, maybe that'd be kind of fun to, uh, you know, put Goofy in with, uh, with the Han Solo. Who knows? Hey, I think we just came up with a great idea for a movie. I think we did. <laughs> Actually, you get to take credit for that. I was just listening. I'll write this down. Write Star Wars movie. Okay. Send <laughs> nice. to George Luke. No, he's out of it. Send to Bob Iger. Yeah. Yeah. And copy Kathleen Kennedy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you told me about that experience with the Goofy Movie panel at the D23 Expo, and you've done a lot of panels and presentations and yeah. events and things like that. Do you happen to remember your first one of those, your first appearance at a fan convention? Um, probably. I've done, you know, smaller groups through the years. Like there used to be the Mouse Club, and then there's the National Fantasy Fan Club. Smaller organizations where I would speak at. But uh, one of my first big ones that I really remember is, uh, for some reason, they wanted me at, a, at one called an OzCon, which is in Australia. And that was fun. It was the first time out of the country doing anything like this. And I've gone back five times since then uh, with them. because, And I love Australia. The people down there are great fans. And one thing that comes to mind is uh, there was uh, you know, a line. There were lines like an hour long to get an autograph from me. And there was one girl. She was in a full kimono, a uh, Japanese girl. And she had flown down to Melbourne, Australia, from Japan to meet me. And then she was so demure by asking, could it be okay if I, uh, could I have a picture with you? I said, oh, I'll live with you for a month. You know, it's like, <laughs> you come all the way from Japan, you know, <laughs> that's all your dishes. And she was so sweet and so ni nice. And it always amazes me the, the amount of love that the fans have for these characters. And if I can brighten their day a little bit, that just is the best thing ever. Sure. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, now, I had two listeners submit questions sure. that they wanted me to ask you. Right. Uh, so the first one hopefully should be a fairly easy one. Uh, can you tell a joke as Goofy? Hmm. Okay. Gorge, why does the chicken cross the road? I don't know. Why does the chicken cross the road? So he won't be on the same side of the road. That's a goofy joke. I I just made that up. That's very bad. <laughs> it is very goofy though. You're right. <laughs> we did a yeah, we did a toy, a few toys where they were telling jokes like that. What was the name of that? I've done hundreds of toys over the years. Everything from the old see and say and you know this where you you know do the crank the sky is blue, you know and and uh, gosh, from the old days. And some of those can be very taxing sessions. I remember one that I did, uh, actually I did, uh, I did, you know, a toy today. I did actually uh, for Japan. I did a, I, actually it's a stage show for Disneyland Tokyo, I believe, or maybe it's Shanghai. It's uh, one of the, but they like the American voices. And, uh, but I, I had to uh, do a toy once where I had to sing Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the ball game. And I did the whole thing. But then I had to go back and put kids' names, different kids' names. So you could at a kiosk somewhere get this. I want I want Goofy singing to my son, Andy. 
So I had to go back and Andy, let's go to the ball game. And then Bridget, let's go to the ball. Bobby, let's go to the ball. And I had to do that 2,800 times. Wow. <laughs> that will drive you nuts. I had to do it for about oh seven or eight days. I can only do it for about two or three hours at a time. And just that repetitive stuff just will drive you nuts, you know, at, uh, you know, I had to go get a bottle of bourbon after I was done with that one. I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but most of them aren't that bad. Uh, most of them are pretty easy and, and, and a lot of fun. <laughs> that was, that was one that sticks with me. <laughs> wow. I have not heard that story before. And <laughs> that is really something else. <laughs> and I think Jim Cummings did one. It was like a talking Winnie the Pooh, uh, doll that had, I think it was thousands more names. I want to say something like 20, 30,000 names. And it was like for worldwide consumption. So he was having to say weird names like, you know, Xerxes and, you know, Anastopheles or what, you know, who would ever <laughs> name their kid, but any, any kind of name in the world, he'd have to say it. I'm glad I didn't have to do that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank heaven for small favors. Yeah. That kept him busy though. Yeah. Um, the, the other listener question, uh, when we talked the first time, you had shared an example of this uh, with something that happened to Wayne Allwine, but I would love to hear a story or two of your own. Uh, what is it like talking to a, a sick child or a special, special needs child as goofy and just having them light up when they hear your voice? Most of the time we talk to uh, sick children in uh, over the phone to, you know, in hospitals and a lot of times they don't talk back much because they're like shocked. They don't know. They And here's Goofy talking back to this child. Uh, and it's usually I have to carry the conversation. Worse, I hope you're feeling better. And it's a, uh, oh, next time you're down to Disneyland, come to see me and whatever we would say. But there was one story that I remember that happened with uh, Wayne Allwine. There was a little girl that had leukemia. And she was kind of resisting treatment. It hurt. She wasn't feeling good. And she just kind of threw the whole thing. And Wayne got on. And I was on that, too. And I, I was doing Pluto at the time, which, you know, I didn't talk much, but I did a lot of barking. And, right. and Wayne said, you know, gosh, you know, if uh, Pluto takes his medicine, he feels real good, doesn't he, Pluto? You know, and then uh, I, whoa, whoa. Yeah. And uh, that was all we did. But about a month or two later, Wayne got a letter from the mother who said, just from that short little conversation with, uh, uh, with uh, Mickey and Donald and Goofy and all of us, that her whole attitude changed and she went into remission. And that's like, wow, you know, that just kind of shows the power that these characters have. Just this last year, I was at a conference uh, or a Comic-Con in Knoxville, Tennessee, and that we, I was there with John Ratzenberger, and together we got to go to a children's hospital. It's the first time I've ever done it live, going into children's rooms and doing the voice for them. And as I say, you know, um, I don't say I am Goofy. I'll say I can talk like Goofy. Would you? And I'll do all of the characters and stuff. And I'll say, "Gosh, how are you doing?" And that we were giving out crayons and coloring books and plush dolls and things like this, but. It's really heartwarming when you see these kids that, uh, and their parents especially, who are going through hell with all of the, this disease and, and the worry that they go through to brighten their day a little bit.
And it's just really rewarding when that, and it kind of puts it all in place, you know, then you kind of come home and you say, I don't have problems. You know, <laughs> I thought I did. And then you see that and it just puts everything in perspective and it's, uh, it's really gratifying. Good. Good. Well, we're getting towards the end of our time here. So there's one wrap up question I'd like to yeah. ask before we give you the chance for your shameless plug time, which I know is what everybody always comes on for. All right. <laughs> um, last time, I asked for your advice to people for following their dreams, but this time I'd like to ask something a little different. Sure. What advice do you have for someone who has tried following their dreams and they feel like they've failed? Like it's just not going like they thought it would. You know, the for, I've been teaching students, uh, and I have a little company that we do demos for, and I teach over Skype to several students around the United States. And and a lot of students come over to my studio here at my house, and I teach them one-on-one. -on -one. I took lessons when I was younger from Dawes Butler, who was kind of my mentor at the time. He was, of course, the great voice artist who was behind all the Hanna-Barbera characters. Uh, you know, Huckleberry Hound, Yogi Bear, Captain Crunch, uh, Snagglepuss, all of those characters. He was the one that said, well, first, the journey is the goal. You don't set a goal. I'm going to get to this place and then I will be, you know, successful or whatever. The journey is the goal. Doing it is is the goal. You never get there. It's always an ongoing process and you got to enjoy the ride. That's a very important part. They, you know, if they haven't reached some imaginary goal, it doesn't mean they're a failure. It means they're still going. If you drive five miles on a thousand mile trip, doesn't mean you failed. You're just going in the right direction. It's going to take you a while. But it's it's also it's not a it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Just take your time and enjoy it. Uh, enjoy the time you have in front of the microphone, entertaining your friends. It can start out a little bit. You don't have to have a television show to to enjoy this. Um, it's surprising until I see stuff on television, I don't get a sense of that I'm doing this for, that millions of people will get a chance to see or hear this. It's like you should in, entertain yourself. And if you entertain yourself, you'll entertain others. So enjoy the ride and entertain yourself along the way. And that's the best advice I can give right offhand. Thank you, that's great advice, I appreciate that. Um, so now finally, Shameless plug time. Uh, anything you'd like to mention or promote? Shows you're on, uh, stuff you're doing, quote unquote, in real life, oh, any projects, sure. anything like that? Sure. Well, um, let's see. We're in the second season of, uh, of uh, the 7D on Disney XD. I play Doc. And Doc's a little elfish character. I also play another dog, Sir Yips, a lot in that show. So I have a corner on the Disney dog market. Well, also, our, our really popular uh, Mickey Mouse shorts, we're still doing those. I'm doing one next week. Uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, win an, uh, an Annie Award last year for Goofy's Grandma. Look it up on YouTube, Goofy's Grandma, and all of the shorts. A new one that just came out a few days ago or yeah, a week or so ago um, was, um, oh, I forgot the name of it. It's where they go down in the submarine, but it's with Ludwig von Drake. And there's one called No, and there's one on Campen. And, uh, well, there's about 40 or 50 of them we've done so far. But look for Goofy's Grandma on that. Also, if anyone ever wants to get into this business, 
I do this via Skype. They can uh, get in touch with me through my website, BillFarmer.com, and I have a couple of domain names that I'm, you know, that you can look for very shortly, VOBiz.com and TuneHouse.com, or contact me on Twitter, at GoofyBill, or on Facebook, Bill Farmer, you know. And uh, if you contact me and want lessons, I'd be glad to talk with anyone about that and teach you all about this wacky business. It can save you a lot of time and effort and money to learn what you need to know before you come out here. Uh, it's, it's, it's very competitive. That's another thing to tell people that it's very competitive. There are, you're up against the best guys in the world out here. So you got to be ready when you, when you decide to, uh, to jump into it. And so that's, that's it for the shameless plug here on the show. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll put links to as much of that as I can right. in the show notes too, so people can get to it. Yeah, the other sites are under construction. I got rid of one and I'm doing a new one. So, but BillFarmer.com, you can go to that. I haven't updated it in a while because I'm not up to date on this internet stuff. So, you know, just give me a call at their Twitter thing and I'd help you out. All right. Thank you so much. And thank you for coming back on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to get to talk to you again. I'm so glad we were able to, to do this. It was my pleasure. Thanks so much. That brings us to the end of this week's show. A very special thank you to Bill Farmer for being my guest again and to you for listening. Come back next time for a Disneyland cast member interview. She worked as a character host and has some really fun stories. Not only that, she has a love for Disney and for the characters that is very, very cool. You will love it. Now, ordinarily in this spot, I'd tell you about a sponsor, but last time I said that I was going to do something different for this one. I know we have some new listeners who may be aware that I wrote a book or two, but may not know much beyond that. So here's the short version description of them. Or, as Inigo Montoya said, let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Okay, that was a terrible impression. I'm sorry. That's why Bill Farmer has the work and thousands of others do. And I just sit here and do a podcast and don't do voiceover stuff. Anyway, I have two books out, Once Upon Your Time and Faith in the Magic Kingdom. The subject matter is different for each, but the approach is basically the same. Taking aspects of Disneyland, details, backstories, history, ride elements, and so on, and using them to enrich your life outside the park. The Indiana Jones adventure is exciting, but did you know it's also an example of integrity? The Mad Tea Party demonstrates the importance of focus. Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters illustrates a key success principle. These are just a few examples. In Once Upon Your Time, I use seven of these to teach and illustrate seven key time management principles, and in Faith and the Magic Kingdom, I use pretty much every part of the park as it was at the time I wrote the book to teach and illustrate faith principles. Ron Schneider, one of my early guests and the author of From Dreamer to Dreamfinder and the original Dreamfinder at Epcot Center, said, Here's a book for anyone who's ever wished the rest of the world could be as much fun, as constructive, and as manageable as a day at Disneyland. Randy Crane has created the Disney Visitor's Guide to Real Life. If you've ever felt more comfortable dealing with queue lines and fast paths than with work and a family, you need Once Upon Your Time. Of Faith in the Magic Kingdom, Lee Cockerell, also a past guest on the show and the former executive vice president of the Walt Disney World Resort, said, No matter what your faith is, you will find Faith in the Magic Kingdom interesting, educational, and inspirational. 
that said, it is written from an unapologetically Christian worldview. And Pat Williams, Orlando Magic co-founder and senior vice president and the author of How to Be Like Walt, said, Walt Disney created one of the most well-loved places in the world, a part of the fabric of society when Disneyland opened in 1955. Throughout its history, though, most people have seen it as simply an impressive amusement enterprise. In Faith and the Magic Kingdom, Randy does an exceptional job of taking this familiar and fanciful place and showing it to be so much more, drawing from it practical lessons and valuable reminders for a dynamic life of faith. If you're a fan of Disneyland and a Christian, this book is a must-read. And I have to thank those people and the many others who provided very kind words for both books that I was able to put in there. I really, really appreciate those. I put these in here not to brag, but just so that you get an idea of what people are saying about them. Uh, So there you have it. The three-minute or so summary of a lot of words and a lot of work. I'm very pleased with them, though, and they've both benefited a lot of people. I want them to do the same for you. I've got links in the show notes of this episode for both, or you can just go to storiesofthemagic.com slash books. That's books with an S, storiesofthemagic.com slash books, to get straight to my Amazon.com author page. I hope you'll pick up a copy, or more than one. They make great gifts. And if you have any questions or would like to know more, please contact me using the details I'll be providing shortly. Now, if you're doing something because of your love for Disney, you've written a book, for example, like me, or created a website, or you're blogging, writing, or performing music, art, whatever it may be, and you want to tell people about it and why it matters to you, I want to hear from you. I also want to talk to and hear from people who've worked for Disney. And if you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience, and you've had an encounter or an interaction with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic, or if you've had any special Disney experience you want to share, I'd love to hear from you too. For any of these or to contact me if you have questions or would like to know more about the books, uh, you can email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY and tell me about your experience. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes, the Xbox Music Store, on the website, or you can hear Stories of the Magic while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. If you like the show, please rate and review Stories of the Magic in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. While you're there, check out the show notes for useful links from each episode, too. For example, in this one, along with having links to my books, I'm going to be putting in a link to at least one, possibly more, of the videos that Bill mentioned that are being done right now, the animated shorts. And I'm going to see if I can also embed a link to the video of the D23 Expo presentation, uh, specifically the eye-to-eye portion where Don Hahn had done that video in the background. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash stories of the magic. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash stories of magic and tweet out that you're listening or pin it on Pinterest. Tell your friends about the show. Keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic too. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories, but this tale is finished. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line 734-23-STORY. 
And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com, for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.